tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. My prayer today is these words will speak to you where you live and create lasting change. Hey friends, good morning. Just had a couple thoughts I wanted to share with you today. Sorry for the delay. I've been traveling, but wanted to share a thought that's been in my mind for several days. And it's kind of an interesting thought about sackcloth and ashes. And when you look at sackcloth and ashes throughout the Old Testament, it was really a sign of repentance. It was an outward display of an inward condition. And uh, just as we think about our nation and we think about our own personal lives, and I don't know about you, just looking and listening, we kind of scratch our heads wondering, wow, what can I do? What is really my role? I mean, I've heard that from Christians all around that there's a disillusionment. You know, some are very disappointed because their prayers maybe were not answered the way that they thought. And then they kind of think, wow, did God really hear me? Did I really understand the will of God? And uh, so I want to just talk for a few minutes about uh, repentance because it's often a misunderstood word. And in the Old Testament, we see uh, with great moves of God, there really is a uh, a time of repentance that uh, comes in to a nation's life. Uh, for instance, we can see this uh, when Jonah went to the city of Nineveh, and uh, there was a great move of God as he stood on the shores after being spit up from the whale. And there was a great repentance, a move of God, and there was a great cleansing, a great purging, a great understanding of uh, what the will of God was. So when we're thinking about our own personal life, when we think about repentance, it's really a gift from God. <clears throat> so in Romans 2 verse 4, we see that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Now, we understand that word to be a change of mind a change of heart, a change of direction. It's really when we focus on what God has said, and not only do we focus on it, but we come under the submission of it, and it changes the way we think, and it changes the way that we operate. So repentance, uh, really our message today is it's really received as a gift from God. So when Paul says in Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of God that leads us there, it really means that we're confronted with God's mind, God's heart, God's truth, and we believe it. We come under the authority of it by agreeing with it, and then it changes the way we think. It changes the way that we act. It changes our decision. So when we look at the Old Testament, though, I found this interesting verse. I was talking with a brother in Texas, and uh, he shared this verse with me, and it's really stuck with me in Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4, because uh, I think where we are now as a church, we need to understand the value of repentance, and that really means to agree with God, to forsake our sin, and to move forward with God. And this happens as a gift of grace. Now, when you hear the message uh, with John the Baptist, and his words was, his first word in his gospel was to repent. Now, I want to set something straight here. An unbeliever cannot repent uh, because 
they first must be confronted with the goodness of God. They don't know necessarily that they are a sinner. They don't necessarily know that they are a liar, a cheater. I mean, yes, our norms and standards show us that, uh, you know, we are depraved. But when someone is confronted with the goodness of God or the presence of God as we soul win and present the gospel, uh, then there is an understanding as the Spirit works in the heart and leads that person to a place of change, a place of turning their heart towards God. So really, our message today is not repent, but our message is believe, really believe. John six twenty nine, the first work is to believe. And when we believe, that pre-work of salvation comes in, and then there's repentance. So the order of this is very important. So it's believe and repent not necessarily repent and believe. Um, So why do I say that today? Well, in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4, you know, God is showing us here that there needs to be an understanding of, of God's mind and God's mood. So let's read that verse together. It says, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that are done in the midst. And that's an interesting verse because God is looking for the the expression of an inward manifestation. He's looking for a uh, an agreeance. And this is really where the move of the Spirit happens in all of our life. It's what has us experience the promise it helps us experience truth is when we agree with truth. Uh, Psalm 2.12, we are agreeing with God immediately. Uh, Psalm 18.33, as soon as they heard, they obeyed. So when we're thinking about our heart attitude, and this is really the work of every Christian, is to have short accounts. And what that means is when we do sin and the Holy Spirit touches our heart, we agree with him quickly in Psalm 2.12, and it restores fellowship. We can never lose our salvation. We understand that clearly in multiple verses in the Bible, where uh, in John 10.28 and 29, that we can never be plucked from his hand, that salvation is of the Lord in Jonah 2.9. It's a work of the Lord in Acts 4.12. Uh, in Romans 8, uh, Romans 10.9 and 10, there is a deliverance of the heart based on the Lord. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we are uh, we are forgiven. So when we think about repentance in 1 John 1, 9, it is really a fellowship question that God cleanses us from all unrighteousness and uh, we are restored to fellowship. We don't lose our standing uh, when we sin, uh, but we just lose our fellowship. That can be restored very quickly, actually, as we agree with God And in one sense, we have sackcloth and ashes. Uh, So today we don't normally see people with ashes on their face and they're ripping of the clothes. We don't necessarily see that like we do in the Old Testament uh, because Jesus, when he died on the cross, uh, noticed that the veil was rent uh, from the outer court and the inner court to the Holy of Holies, representing a tearing of the sackcloth and ashes, the tearing of the robe, and uh, representing that God has full access now 
and we have full access to him in Romans 5 too. So why is it important to think about this today? The thought of it is this, is that uh, God wants us to be touched with, uh, with what his heart is mourning over. God is mourning over the sin of a nation. He's mourning over uh, the, the, the way that people just choose their own way, wandering. And so as a believer, our message isn't repent, 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 because people don't know how to do that unless they're a believer. And in Jeremiah 31, it's the Holy Spirit that turns us to him, the God of all grace, and he strengthens and settles us in 1 Peter 5.10, and then we are established in him, and we're established in grace in Hebrews 13.9. And this causes us to agree with him and have a change of mind. So really, it's first believing, and then it's reconciliation through agreeing with God and saying, yes, Lord, I'm wrong, and you are right. So why do I bring that up today? Well, if we add sin to sin in Isaiah 30, verse 1, that means we just continue to choose our own way and we do not repent. We do not have this sackcloth and ashes. What happens is sin adds to sin and we have a compound reaping of sin. So God is saying, turn unto me in Isaiah 118 and I will make you white as snow. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we can live like the devil and then just turn on the repentance card and everything's going to be okay. What he's saying is when we turn to him, there'll be an inner smoting. There'll be an inner agreeance. There'll be an inner grieving where we just say, Lord, uh, I know this hurt you. I know this will hurt me. And I agree with you. And just as the priest did in the Old Testament, they ripped their clothes as a sign of grief and mourning. And uh, there was great uh, remorse. So when we think about this uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Now, this is not something that we can manufacture. But as we learn the heart of God, we become much more sensitive to the ways of God. So in Ezekiel 9, this verse strikes me because Mark upon the foreheads them that sigh and cry out for all the abominations. Now, if you read this chapter, there's great judgment going on, and only few recognized it. And if you read on in those other verses, those that didn't sigh and those that didn't repent, they suffered the consequence of death. So when we look at the five levels of judgment on someone, on a nation for that matter, or a believer that rejects repentance, it's pretty severe. It's pretty severe. But God in his mercy, he is wanting to turn them unto himself. Turn me in Jeremiah 31. Turn me and I will be turned. Again, it's that goodness of God manifested to us that shows us a contrast that we are sinners and that we need a savior. So again, uh, we see that sackcloth and ashes really is a sign of public repentance and humility before God. Jonah 3, 5 through 7, uh, we, we see that Nineveh and a whole nation turns uh, to, to God. In Jonah three ten, God's plan originally was to destroy Nineveh because of their wickedness. And one man, Jonah, turned that around. 
And, and just think about that, your life, my life, as we walk before God, keeping short accounts, which means we are sensitive to agree with God quickly. Lord, I did this. I'm not going to make a provision for the flesh in Ephesians 4.20. I don't want to give a place to the devil. Uh, I want to walk with you and uh, agree with you and be holy before you. Now, sometimes a new believer might say, I'm trying not to sin. And there's this real condemnation that comes into their life when they do. Now, the work of the Spirit does not use condemnation as a tool. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. See, condemnation makes sin the issue. But in the believer's life, it's conviction. Where love is the issue. God is saying, turn to me. I have so much more than the filth or the uh, the crazy uh, compound judgment that, that sin produces. For the wages of sin is death in Romans 6.23. So the issue isn't trying not to sin. Because the more we try to not sin, the more we will sin. The strength of sin is in the law. It's just like someone looking in the mirror and they see dirt on their face. The mirror shows the dirt on their face. The mirror does not take the dirt off the face. We need a washcloth for that. So again, the law tells us what's wrong, but does not give us the ability to change ourselves. It's the perfect law of liberty James 1, 22 through 25, perfect law of liberty, the Bible, John, uh, John, uh, excuse me, Psalm 19 uh, says the perfect law of liberty in the first seven verses. Uh, that's what changes our heart. So we agree with God. That's my big point today. We agree with God. We recognize that it's wrong. And the only reason why we recognize it is because we know the truth. We've been confronted with the truth. We've been confronted with grace. Uh, which does not make a license for sin, but what does it do? It causes us to be motivated in love. It causes us to be motivated in truth. See, grace isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, it doesn't just wink at sin and say, oh, God, you understand, and my heart is, you know, I'm just but dust, so you understand if I do this. No, grace isn't like that. Grace isn't like something that keeps us in lasciviousness, but grace motivates us uh, to honor God, to be loved by God, to hate the things that he hates in Psalm 139, and to love the things that he loves. So again, sackcloth and uh, ashes are, it's an amazing thought here. Esther 4, 1 and Esther 3, 8 through 15, we see again that Mordecai was grieved because of the king king's edict that, um, you know, again, that there would be great death to his people uh, if there was an obedience to the king's edict. And this is why he was fasting and weeping and even wailing before God. Now, that inner anguish can be expressed in a lot of different ways. So remember that repentance isn't um, based on my outward uh, demonstration, but it's really an inward condition of my humility and willingness to say, Lord, I agree with you above all other. Because, you know, remember the Pharisees, they had an outward expression, but inwardly they were dead. They were like white uh, sepulchers. They were, they were like um, just walking, but dead inside. And Jesus is saying, I want to have that inner communion with you, that in a moment, 
just like David when he cut the robe of Saul. He was smoted on the inside, it says. Like immediately the spirit touched his heart and said, listen, that's not my way. That's not the way I have called you to. And there was an immediate agreeance with God. So today, let's really be sensitive to the spirit, to the finger of God when maybe we say something or do something or think something. We say, okay, Lord, I agree with you. I'm sorry. And Second uh, Corinthians 7 Second uh, yeah, Second Corinthians chapter two, verse seven through ten shows us the many levels of repentance, from godly sorrow to avenging disobedience with, obedi- with obedience. Uh, there's a great uh, vehement desire to say, "Lord, heal me in this area, uh, crucify this area of my life." Uh, and then there's a great change, a lasting change, something that He Himself. Uh, produces through through uh, the work of the Spirit. So again, um, we are in, in Isaiah one eighteen, like we quoted. He will turn our red sin to white, we're white as snow. So the sins of the past, the sins of omission, the sins we don't even realize we're doing, the sins of the tongue. There's so many things, uh, the six things that God hates. Uh, these are things that God will, will point out and say, listen, this doesn't reflect my nature. This doesn't reflect uh, my, my heart. And agree with me and walk away. Agree with it, isolate it, forsake it, and move on. Because, again, we want perfect fellowship with God. We want to hear his spirit. We want to hear his voice in Psalm 29. So sackcloth and ashes really in the Old Testament was a direct... Uh, sign of an inward condition. So there, you know, when we are seeing things that are going on in our nation or we hear from people and hear their situations, we are grieved. There's a sighing. Romans 8 talks about a groaning that cannot be uttered. And this is what happens when pain and uh, just trouble comes into our life. We we are vexed in our spirit. And uh, there's, we, we are turning to God. And this is what we need as, a, as Christians today, to be very sensitive, to turn our face towards the Lord in Psalm 16, 8, to be quick to agree and walk in faith. And this is where our light will shine. This is where purity uh, will keep the area for the power of God to be uh, represented. You know, I was talking with a brother recently. It's like in purity, there's power. And in the thorns of our lives, that this, the, just like uh, Saul, he was buffeted, and Paul was buffeted, uh, where he was constantly reduced to humility in certain areas of his life. It's because God says, I want to be first in your life, and you be second. And this is what agreeing with God does. So when we see the abominations and the, uh, the backwardness of people today, and evil will grow stronger and stronger, unfortunately, uh, until the rapture. Why? Because the devil knows his time is short, and he, will, he just accuses the brethren, Revelations 12, 10 through 12. He will constantly lie. There'll be a great delusion sent. And God is testing his believers to uh, keep him in first place and to recognize the lie, to recognize his way. And the only way is to remain sensitive to the Spirit. Now, this is something, again, 
that we're all growing in on a daily basis. But God is saying one of the most beautiful ways to, um, to recognize my voice is to be before me in humility, to be in a place of sackcloth and ashes, to tear the coat and, in, and inside saying, Lord, I am grieved. I know you're grieved. So I want to agree with you and lift up your truth. And in Isaiah 59, we see that when truth falls in the streets and judgment is turned around backwards, we want to be those people that are declaring the truth. We want to lift up the truth in love. And um, But sin makes our world very small. It really does. It makes our desires and passions number one. And we somehow put God second. So this is why repentance is such a beautiful gift in the believer's life. And, you know, in, in marriage, I was talking with a couple and, the, and one wife said this about her husband. She goes, you know what? Every day I clean the ledger from uh, about my husband. And what she was saying is every day she looks at her husband in a new way. She doesn't look at him based in yesterday's sin. And that's really a very important point in Psalm 103. If you read that whole chapter, you see the, the revelation and power of forgiveness. Uh, that really, that when we do not hold people uh, in their sin, it releases how we look at them. We have a clean ledger. But if we're keeping track of people's sin, which Jesus doesn't even do, by the way, when we keep track of people's sin, then we become uh, a judge. And that judgment uh, becomes accusatory. And that becomes uh, very difficult and counterproductive. But as we, yes, we hold people accountable, absolutely. But as we walk in faith and we ourselves are taking account to our own life, and that's really all we can do. We are accountable to God for us. And then God, in his ministry of the Spirit, will convict others. Remember, it's not about condemnation or guilt. There's bona fide guilt where God shows us that we're wrong, but the vehicle is not guilt or shame, but it's it's love. God convicts and says, hey, listen, I love you. This is not the way that I have chosen for you. And he he's a very gentle father that, uh, again, instructs so there's change. So just as I close today, uh, you know, again, Lamentations 2.10 uh, we see uh, Daniel 9.3. We see the importance of um, sackcloth and ashes. It's very in 2 Samuel 3.31. These are some great chapters to look at. Lamentations 2.15-18. Why did Jeremiah lament? It's because he was in tune. What touched the heart of the Father touched him. And it bothered him. And he sought the, the Lord. And he cried on behalf of, of a nation. And today, you know, not that we have to have a heavy spirit in this sense where it steals our joy or it makes us depressed. That's not what I'm saying. But we are in tune with a sensitivity of the spirit to say, listen, I'm going to pray for our nation. I'm going to pray for our family. I'm going to pray for our neighborhood. I'm going to speak truth, speak life. I'm not going to have silent consent. Well, I'm going to uh, be one that is graciously serving and uh, being a shepherd in our neighborhood. 
in our spheres of influence. And we said that a couple podcasts ago, being a shepherd, one who is uh, caring, one who's walking uh, with the sheep. You know, it's interesting, uh, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, First Peter 5, 4, he moves at the speed of love. He is always moving at people's capacity. He's always moving at a place of ministry. He's always moving and initiating the heart of love and care. Not to compromise with sin, not to condone with sin, but to lead people out of their sin, to confront them with the goodness of God that would lead to repentance. You know, again, we can drag a horse to water, but he will not necessarily drink. So we can condemn people all day long and tell them how wrong they are. But you know what? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that changes the heart. We can't persuade anybody. It's really the work of the Spirit. So as we present the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus plus nothing, by the way. If it's more, if it's Jesus plus something, it's not the gospel. So again, it's lifting up who Jesus is. That is the gospel. And that's what changes the heart uh, of, of people. So again, don't feel in bondage to try to persuade people to outmaneuver them with our with our words, but to present Jesus plus nothing. And then the work of the Spirit will, will uh, initiate conviction, uh, and that will turn the heart. And there'll be uh, a, a glorious repentance and a renewal and a reconciliation in that person's life. And there'll be lasting change. You know, granted, you know, the the righteous fall seven times, but they get up again. Uh, but the wicked stay down. You know, Micah says, "Don't do not rejoice over me, my enemy. I am down, but I will arise." Micah chapter seven. Again, so sinning and uh, having this uh, going back and forth with falling down and getting up is a normal part of Christian life. But as we walk with God, it gets less and less where, again, we're more sensitive. We can see the devil's uh, ploys. We can see the devil's traps, and we can recognize it. My point today is let's walk at the speed of love. You know, it says that a shepherd walks about three miles an hour, uh, just keeping in tow with his sheep. Again, we're not way ahead, and we're not way behind. We're not yelling like a sheepdog, but we are caring for them with the rod and the staff in Psalm 23. And that rod and staff not only protects, but it comforts. Not only does it take the sheep off the precipice, but it also keeps them close to the shepherd. When we start to wander, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one in Luke 15. He is a weeping shepherd. He is a weeping savior. So today, whatever you're facing, uh, just understand what the true nature of God is and the counterfeit will be exposed. Uh, understand who God is and we'll understand where, uh, how much we need him. Understand, let, the, let him be first and we will understand uh, what the goodness of God is. Uh, don't put yourself under unnecessary stress, witch hunting for what sins that might have been committed or not. Just you know, I often pray, Lord, if there's something between us, show it to me so I can surrender it back to you. 
For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the work of grace. This is the work of grace. So today, as God touches our heart, let's not take on the spirit of what's going on around us, but let's be prayerful. Let's be mindful. Let's be awake spiritually. And the person. let's love the person in front of us. And uh, let's be awake to the things of God and he and be sensitive to what he's doing agree with him quickly and walk in faith because he is doing great things among us and we will see them as the rapture comes nearer and nearer there'll be a greater manifestation of the work of the lord like we've never seen he will pour out his spirit expressly in these last days god bless you Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.